right. Uh, beverage? Give me a, uh, liter of cola. A what? A liter of cola. Liter of cola? Do we make liter of cola? Well, you just order a large farva. I don't want a large farva. I want a goddamn liter of cola. I don't know what that is. Liter is French. For give me oh. some f***ing cola before I break loose. Oh. All right, all right, relax. everybody welcome back to another week of muskies on tap and a happy new year to all out there it's the first episode back from our little holiday break we had there uh sorry to those that we didn't get one out between uh christmas and new year's the mott crew was just kind of all over the place and we're busy with family events and all that stuff so welcome back Tonight, we got the full crew here. We got Max Manti and Brian Eckel. How you boys doing tonight? Good, Gus. Feeling good. Ready for uh, 2024 here. Just got Be back honest from... with him. <laughs> Just playing a little <laughs> injured tonight, a little banged up. Just getting back from uh, Philadelphia, bang, bang, bird gang. Uh, was actually in the wedding as the, the Eagles had their epic collapse of the Cardinals with a lot of boys from Delco. So that was pretty funny. Just kind of getting the uh, inside scoop. Um, But yeah, it was a great, uh, great New Year's for me. Good holidays. Got to spend some time up north with you, Gus. Did a little bit of fishing, which was a lot of fun. Sure, maybe we'll get into that here after. Very special interview here tonight. As I'm sure you all can see on the title, we got Greg Thomas on. He should be hopping on here in a few minutes. No idea where this interview is going to go. I'm very, very fired up for it, though. He's a man with a lot of stories, a lot of personality. So uh, looking forward to sitting down and chatting with him here tonight. Um, I know another one of our members here is playing a little bit injured, and that's none other than my best friend, my dear friend, my good friend, Brian Eckel. How are we doing tonight, Brian? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I think we should be called Muskies on Water tonight, not Muskies on Tap. I'm trying to nurse this hangover a little bit. So that's how you ring in the new year. Yeah, <laughs> look at you back oh, on the saddle. <laughs> that old dog still hunts. Still we, hunts. Uh... <laughs> Hair of the dog. Yeah, yeah. I had a good time this weekend ringing in the new year. Um, just got out and fished while I was in Florida for Christmas. Uh, caught one nice red fish on the fly. And that was about all the fishing for me while I was down there. Um, so, yeah, back up in Wisconsin now. Looking forward to this interview with Greg. Uh, you guys have met him before. I have not. I've heard a lot of great things about him, so I'm very excited for it. Yeah, we're pumped. We uh, I don't know where it's going to head, but we have some ideas, some topics, and I'm sure if, uh, if there's zero time cap on this, we could be doing like a 36-hour bender podcast with Greg, but... <laughs> <laughs> Might be our first one. We'll have to put an explicit tag on if I had to venture a guess. <laughs> There's a chance, but that's all right. I think we'll just let this one fly. Oh, makes it all the better. Makes it all the better. Gus, how was your New Year's weekend? Uh, I was pretty good. I'm definitely uh, another one here playing a little injured. Came off a couple, a multi-day bender. 
up in the UP skiing on what little snow that they had. So we kind of had to make the most of it and find things to do other than skiing, which uh, <laughs> aren't the American. whole lot up there other than uh, uh, bars and uh, just hanging out. Just hanging out in some shady establishments. I uh, <laughs> I know that you've been out on the ice, though, and that's probably what people want to hear a little bit more of. Uh, do you want to just give a quick ice report uh, to those mm-hmm. that might be venturing out here this upcoming weekend? Seems like things are finally starting to uh, turn around after a few of our little sketchy night escapades over Christmas Oh, jeez, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did must- we musty fish. Oh, yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that right now before Greg gets on or maybe wait till afterwards? Let's chat about it afterwards. You get, yeah, you get we got a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. We got a bunch <laughs> to touch on that. We were able to get oh out God. between Christmas and New Year's, which is wild. I know a good amount of people did, but it was just absurd that we were able to do that. We were able to ice fish Our... a little bit before that warm up, but we I think the last night we ice fished was Christmas night. And it was yep. starting to rain and it was like 45 degrees at night. And there was like a hole that just showed up where we were fishing. It was just like, okay, that wasn't there before. And there's water all over the ice and it was bad, really bad. So I think the ice conditions really were bad. like really bad between Christmas and New Year's. I didn't, that was the last day I was out. And then just tonight, it's the 2nd of January and I was able to get out. A little puddle jumping with my buddy Tyler, and we found five or so inches on a smaller lake, and just put a hurt out a bunch of six-inch bluegills, and uh, got one. Well, we got a couple bass on tip-ups, but we got one tip-up at sunset, and it was a twenty-four-inch walleye. So we we're pretty stoked on that. That that lake might have potential. But uh, my guess is that's going to be pretty typical is like that mid half foot range for a lot of lot of lakes. And then obviously the big lakes are going to be sketchy for a little bit. We got a lot of ice making weather. I don't think it's going to be above freezing in the forecast on the 10 day and all the nights are in the teens and low 20s. So that's I, I was shocked. Do. Shocked you guys were able to get out and musky fish. What was that on the 26? Six and 27th and we probably yeah. could have more but then you know we had work obligations and yeah you know, down and stuff our boy michael hansen i think was fishing open water muskies till maybe the 30th is when he called it quits 29th Something or 30th like I think. and he was putting some tanks in the bag around christmas late in the year <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh yeah he was yeah, yeah that was awesome to see good to good to see another Fellow Wisconsinite out there just grinding, just starving, um, just yeah, just starving for another bite. Um, <laughs> we're kind of waiting on Greg here, so we could dive into it a little bit and maybe clean it up after. But uh, ended up being able to put a few fish in the bag, and that was pretty sweet on day one. And then day two ended in some heartbreak. total heartbreak, <laughs> but uh, that was more due to our own uh, own fault there. Um, some good lessons learned i think we could probably touch on here after the interview so maybe we'll save that for a little tease keep you guys around i know last week we did our giveaway which uh if you are if you tuned into the to the intro here today that was our winner so gus actually before greg hops on do you want to announce the winner of the uh muskies on tap glass giveaway 
So the winner of the giveaway, which was we asked the listeners to pick an intro, an intro quote. And as you just heard, we had an absolute hilarious line from Super Troopers, which was brought in by Brett Wingfield of WF Custom underscore Bates on Instagram. This Shout dude makes up. some killer bait Shout out. <laughs> and uh that <clears throat> that one was that was a winner. And uh we'll be I'll be reaching out to you on uh getting a glass your way. And we got a bunch of really good ones in. And Max, if you want to touch on that. I was just about to say, but wait, there's more. And by more, <laughs> I mean another winner because oh. there was so many good quotes sent in. It was actually really difficult to pick uh, a winner. Um, so we had to do kind of a 1A, 1B. And uh, I think for our 1B, which is going to be a quote we'll use on next week's pod, you got a Muskies on tap beer glass coming to you. That's George from Chicago. Shout out, we'll George. save that. Shout, Shout out. out. We'll save. Uh, we'll save what he sent in until you guys hear it next week. Um, but he sent in another hilarious clip for an intro to the pod. So, George from Chicago, you're going to be getting another Muskies on Tap glass as well. So, uh, appreciate uh, everybody who sent in quotes. That was a pretty fun little giveaway. Uh, we were pretty thankful that actually people stuck around on that last episode <laughs> when we went on for about yeah. 40 additional minutes after the interview. I was surprised that people stayed with us. So, for people to actually uh, send in, we can't thank you enough for everyone who took some time and and sent in a clip. Uh, we'll probably be running a few more of those those giveaways throughout the winter and just stuff like that. Um, had a good time doing that. So, yeah. Plus, you know, it's always nice getting some fresh ideas from other people on the movie quotes. They right. was uh, they were pretty easy at first when we had a full rolodex of films, and then. Uh, you know, as as time's gone on, it's it's gotten a little bit more and more difficult to find some some hidden gems. So maybe uh, yeah. maybe I'll sit down, and start watching some old cult classics over the next few weeks, and and find some new good ones because there's definitely enough out there. But uh, oh yeah, for sure. Without further ado, I think we should dive into this interview here with Greg Thomas and uh, Gus. Want to just take it away? Yes, sir. All right, we got on the line Greg Thomas with us here. How are you doing tonight, Greg? I'm good. I'm good. It's glad to be on. It's a it's a cold night right after the first of the year. I'm up at uh, Lake of the Woods. I'm on the in the Angle um, Angle Inlet, and where I spend my summers and some of the falls. And uh, I'm actually going to be wintering up here this year because I'm stupid. And it's going to be a, uh, yeah, I'm going to do the sports shows from up here and, and everything. And no, it, it's, it's going pretty good right now. Awesome. This is your, you said it was your first winter up there, brave in the cold. Cause you typically do them down in Kentucky, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm usually, um, in Kentucky right now, but, um, a friend of mine that I'm up here with that, uh, I'm in with the place, uh, actually runs the restaurant up here. It's the Jerry's Northwest angle. It's the northernmost restaurant and bar in the lower 48. And, nice. uh, we're just waiting for 
typically right now the ice fishing is stupid we were here last year and it's just it was nuts with the amount of people here for ice fishing all the resorts are full and and everything and uh this year with the warm weather it's it's not been good and and you know this weekend it looks like it's when everything's going to kind of come and, and and go in full circle the ice looks you know like it's going to happen and um you know right now they plow an ice road up here and they haven't got any of the ice road plowed it's just waiting for it to get cold basically yeah, that's wild. Yeah. It's kind of taking a toll here on the Northwoods of Wisconsin as well. I know places that have had to, you know, people have been canceling reservations to come here because you can't not only ski because there's no snow, you can, you really couldn't uh, ice fish. The conditions were just terrible. I mean, some of those small lakes, ice just was gone almost. Some of the big lakes never even got ice yet. They still don't even have ice yet, really. And uh, yeah, well. So you guys uh, have Max open water I, still? Oh, uh, no, probably not now. I haven't really been driving around yet. I was gone for the New Year's, so I just got back, and I was able to ice fish tonight, and we had five and a half inches on a small lake. So okay. that was no problem to get out. I don't think people are really doing vehicles yet up here for the most part because there's really no snow either to go on the ice for snowmobiles yet. So it's kind of just a complete shit show, and I hope it – gets normal here soon it looks like the extended forecast is getting normal but max and i and myself has been we've been on your podcast greg mm -hmm. the musky road reels a few times so we're here finally returning the favor i know we tried to i think we wanted to get you on in the fall there and it just didn't work out so now we're really excited to to have you on here and i don't know exactly where to start but maybe we could start from way back in the beginning maybe you give a little bit to the people on how you kind of got into this crazy sport first before we go into maybe some guiding way back in the day or the, the, the first PMTT events and stuff like that. Sure. Well, I got started um, fishing for muskies when I was like 11, 10, 11 years old uh, down in Kentucky on Cave Run where I'm from. And it was my neighbor actually got me into it. My dad would go out there and they would talk and I'd usually tag along and they would talk and just um, bullshit uh, about fishing. And my neighbor liked to musky fish and he had been like the old timer of the, you know, one of the old timers of the lake and actually lived because Cave Run is a reservoir, it's a flooded reservoir, actually lived where the lake was. He actually had to move uh, his old homestead <laughs> oh. and stuff is underwater and good cover yeah well his uh yeah i can take you uh to where his apple orchard is right now and it's just a pile of trees on the bottom and uh and stuff actually um if you were when you were down there i don't know now uh max when you were there did you ever go to leatherwood in beaver creek i was the one who unfortunately was in vegas gus was the oh, one who okay. went down there this last year gus, and, and did you ever go into leatherwood Ooh, maybe it was down beaver creek with all the stumps and the buoys i didn't know if you were i got to uh, the buoys but i didn't go very far into the buoys i didn't go yeah. super far that way yeah well that's it's a main creek there in the in the lower section mm -hmm. of the lake that's where his place was and and everything and and that's kind of what got me into it me and my dad started fishing for him we were terrible uh at <laughs> it um not good at all uh my first year we fished i think i was 11 and i caught my first one it was 37 inches 
uh, and it tasted great because that's what we did. <laughs> um, it was uh, wild. Uh, I know some would... still do down there as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's always <laughs> always nice to trade recipes. Um, <laughs> they uh, uh, that would have been in ninety ninety. The hell would that have been? Ninety one. Not you guys. Okay. None of you were alive. I'm assuming. Um, nope. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, it was a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> Soundgarden, Nirvana, we're all on the radio. It was a it was a great time to be alive. And um, you know, I caught one on a uh, me and my dad. We would go because we I grew up on a tobacco farm. And so we would go like early in the morning for a few hours. And then in the evening um, is basically what we did. Had a really, you know, uh, really shitty boat, a 1976 Invader um, that could outrun anything um, that wasn't moving. And <laughs> we, uh, we went and I caught my first one on a Bill Norman crankbait, which... Um, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but they were popular down by us. They quit making them since. Still a very, very good bait. It was a metal build crankbait deep diver. And uh, I caught it um, right at the boat. I couldn't see it. It was probably like 10 or 15 feet out, but 37 incher and was hooked nice. ever since. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. I um, So I kind of wanted to dive in here because I think, you know, as we mentioned before, you have a podcast and I think, you know, mm -hmm. um, people that listen to this podcast are probably, I would assume, very familiar with yours. I think what makes it great is, you know, you do a really good job at interviewing other, you know, professional muskie guides and asking them on tips and tricks. And it kind of is a nice added bonus with like your very self-deprecating humor. <laughs> but I think you give your, you know, you kind of don't give yourself enough credit. You've had a very illustrious tournament career, very illustrious guiding career. You've owned owning businesses within the musky industry. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're here to dive into tonight. Interesting to hear how you got started, but then how does, you know, that first musky catch evolve into literally just a life of, of musky fishing? fishing? Like, I mean, you're, uh, you just go into guiding. <laughs> what, it it what basically... <laughs> It basically just was one of those deals. I was just like, well, I'm just going to be a fisherman. I didn't know how. I didn't know what. Uh, I didn't know anything. Um, and what I did, the best thing I ever did was I got involved. And very few people will say this. I got involved with Tony Grant as a good decision. Um, he, um, Tony had started... Uh, a cave run guide service down on the lake and the other guy uh the, the the guy that really got cave run going and on the map was crash mullins um who started it back man crash probably started guiding down there early 80s that's a great you know, musky guide exactly yeah, and i don't know you <laughs> did you ever meet crash did you know do you know what i'm talking about was it the owner of crash's landing i'm assuming he, he started crash's landing yeah uh crash you know he he um yeah he kind of got us known the lake he was the first one to really push it and promote it and everything and, and so he kind of got the musky thing going in the south as far as people knowing about it people uh talking about it mm -hmm. cave run was built in 1969 
So by the time he got started, the lake was probably 12 to 13 years old. We're not, we're a stock fishery, but the Licking River that actually flows into Cave Run and, and flows out um, was a native muskie stream. Okay. So it, it had yeah. muskies in it. Um, the state record, one of the early state records, which was a, a 40 pound fish, um, was caught in the river that actually was formed mm-hmm. Cave Run. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our, our stocking down there is, you know, we've never introduced a new, was it not species, but Strain. you know, I'm talking, straight that one. Um, <laughs> we've never done that. And uh, it's always been just the, 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 the hatchery gets in there, they shock them up, they take them, breed them in the hatchery and put the same fish back in. So we've never like introduced like a leech lake strain or a great lake strain or something like that. These are all strictly, um, I don't know. I've heard them called a ton of things, riverine, uh, Ohio Valley, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the strain that we look to them. They do. They're very clear fish. Um, it depends on where you catch them. Sometimes you'll get some spotted kind of a little spotted pattern. Um, sometimes in the weeds, if we have weeds, um, they, they'll have some bars on them. So, but a lot of them, especially early in the year are, are super clean looking. That's why they, you know, Kentucky has the second oldest muskie club in the country. Uh, Kentucky Silver Muskie Club, which was started in 1960, oh, it was in the late 60s, I think. Um, I think the only one older than that's the Wisconsin Bills Muskie Club um, mm-hmm. is the oldest. But I think we're like, I think we're like one year or two years after that. I think maybe 63 is when it was started. That's wild. But uh, yeah, we've had them forever. I mean, it's not like they were introduced. It's not like. You know, we got 17 rivers and streams that have muskies in them. We got three lakes all built off of those rivers and streams. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, I met Tony and, uh, Tony had just started cave run guide service in like 92, 90, something like that. He had done some trips for one of the guys that worked at the Marina down there at Longbow Marina, Carl McClure and Carl, really good guy. And, uh, it was always funny because Tony's got a great story. Tony was in Carl's wedding, and uh, so and Carl was a was a grooms. He Tony was a groomsman for him, <laughs> and uh, or not a groomsman. What's the one that tells you where to go sit? Usher, that one. <laughs> uh, he was an usher. He was an usher, and uh, Tony would uh, people were showing up, and he would ask you know bride or groom side. Well, then they and people were like getting offended. Uh, well, it turned out Carl was marrying his cousin. And uh, they had to they had to ditch the bride or groom side because everybody was getting offended. But they were older; they weren't going to have babies. It was fine. Uh, so that's that was neither here nor there, but just a great story. Uh, so I got to know Tony, and I was I, I think I took my first trip. I can't. I think I took my first trip with him in like 90, I was 16. So how, what year would that have been? 95. Yeah. 95. And, uh, you know, just, and, I, and, and Tony is a, is a, is a lot of things. And, uh, he, he's one of my best friends and, but he knows he knew how to run a, a business and kind of taught me how to do it. Um, and I owe him everything. 
and he um he was telling me you know i just kind of learned it from him i know he he always uh tells the story because my first guide trip was like the day after prom and for whatever <laughs> reason i dyed my hair blonde and had all kinds of fucking streaks in it and that was, uh, a, that was the 90s though right like, that, that was, was the, the hot look it was well no no not really i was <laughs> i would no no i i wasn't popular it was just a uh, look it was a it was a look yes yeah <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a great look if you don't want to have friends um <laughs> it was one of those great looks and so I show up and, you know, I get up in the morning, I'm ready to go early. And it's these two older guys. And here I show up looking like something out of Mad Max and, uh, you know, let's go. And, uh, they're like, oh, um, <laughs> and uh, we go out and have a great day. I think, um, there was a few boats out and we were the only ones that caught a fish and I was the kid and pretty soon ever, not everybody, but uh, a lot of people liked fishing with the kid and uh that's kind of how it got started and then from there i was i was really fortunate um to get a a scholarship to one of the local colleges and i figure if i could you know if if i stacked my schedule to where i could go to class um all day on like monday wednesday every other friday or tuesday thursday every other friday i could fish and guide on my the days in between and and that's and that's what i did and by i you know i i'm lucky enough to say i went five years and never graduated very proud of that moment um but what i did is i i was like okay if i'm gonna do this i need to know some business stuff i need to know writing stuff i'm a broke ass i need to learn how to make my own brochures i need to, and so i literally just took classes that would help me do that or classes that would let me use the college's stuff at night so I could get that done for free on someone else's time. Uh, and that's how I did it. And uh, I started, I worked for Tony until um, 2000. Uh, and it was the year after the PMTT. I worked for him one year after that. And so I guess it was 01. I started my own. And, and I figured you know what, I'll, I'll graduate college this year because uh, I don't think I'm going to be that busy. And, you know, then I'd already had about five years under my belt through Tony. And I'm like, well, I'll graduate college this year and, and it'll all be, I'll have a piece of paper and all that jazz. And it turns out, uh, it, yeah, I ended up doing almost 180 trips the first year. Jeez. And it was basically I was going to my professors and 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 saying, you know, well, I'm going to be here Tuesday in April. What am I going to miss? <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so I just I, yeah, I, I, I dropped out and got everything I thought I needed. And I was always good at negotiating with professors and stuff, especially early on. I would, you know, if, if I thought a class was stupid and uh, I'd find out exactly what they needed and go and, and literally go as little as possible, but show up for what needed to be done. So I just had to keep my GPA to keep the scholarship and nobody could yell at me. That's awesome. Quick, yeah. uh, qu quick sidebar story I got that I just remembered. Uh, my super senior year at college, my four and a half semester, I was taking some bullshit classes just to kind of graduate. And I, uh, 
I was in this science class. I'm not much of a science guy. And I got this opportunity to go fish in Craig, Montana and do some trout fishing with a buddy. Mm -hmm. And it was over like, uh, one of those fall weekends where, you know, school or whatever was off on Monday and the fishing was so good. We ended up sticking around a few extra days and I was skipping our labs for the science class. And I remember I got an email from my professor being like, you can't miss lab. Like you'll fail. There's only three of them during the semester. And I was like, Oh, I'm in Craig, Montana. And they're like, well, you're shit out of luck pretty much. <laughs> Unless you can convince another science professor to let you backpack on one of their mm -hmm. labs later on in the week. And so I started going to other science professors to like, try to beg them to let me in one of their labs. And the first professor I walked into was wearing a Sims trout hat. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, I went to school in Great Denver, start. so not uh, not uncommon for some of the professors to also be anglers. And uh, I took that one with me as just a lucky feather in my cap moving forward because I told him what I did, and he was like, I would have done the exact same thing, come to my lab on Friday morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, I had – when I was in college, I had this one class, history of communication. No one cares. No one needs it. It's stupid. It was just, it was stupid to begin with. Right. So I, uh, we had to have this, we had to have this giant timeline done of like the history of communication since, you know, you know, the first dude farts and it is, <laughs> it, it was, I was like, this is dumb. And it was like, at the end of the year, it was, I mean, there was people spending like hours on this thing <laughs> and just, and, and you know, I, I I'm like, okay, I got two days left. I better get started. <laughs> and uh, so I, I go to the professor and I, I learned this very early. I just went to the professor. I go, I go, what amount of our grade is this thing worth? He goes, oh, that's a lot. And I go, what is a lot to you? <laughs> and, uh, and he, and he goes, he goes, oh, it's, it's, it's 5% of your grade. I go, 5%, 5% ain't shit, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I go, what I'm have I got? Mathematician, but I know. Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, you know, it's, and I go, well, what have I got in the class now? He goes, you got a 96. I'll take a 90. Fuck this. I'm not doing that. I'm, so <laughs> that's the stuff I did to get through school just because you know, it, stupid the history of communications. Talk. That's the history of communication. Um, <laughs> but no, it, 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 I never did the whole typical college experience. I literally was on the water, I worked my butt off. Um, I, you know, I took five classes in one day and got it all done. I was actually, I didn't find it very hard so that I was lucky in that point. Um, I could actually breeze through pretty easily and, um, uh, yeah. And that's, and that's basically how it worked out and, you know, fishing the, the PMTT the first year, I really got to know a lot of people. When um, was that? When, 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 that would have been 1999. Point? And you were, were you in college still during this? Yeah, I was 19. Oh, yeah. Was the first event at Cave Run? The first event was on the, the first event, uh, I can go through the whole thing with you. First one was at the Chippewa Flowage. Second wow. one, and that was in, was that June? Yeah, that was June. July was at Lake St. Clair. Uh, August, was it August? No, there was three of them. So we skipped August. Uh, September was at Lake Chautauqua in New York and 
the championship. No. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, uh, brain fog here. Uh, October was Cave Run, and then the championship, there was four of them. The championship was on Lake Kincaid the first weekend of November. Wow. Holy the tournament trail that what year. a trail. Yeah. Yeah, that is all over the mm -hmm. map. Yeah, and I'd never fished. Um, the Chippewa Flowage was the first time I'd ever fished outside of the state of Kentucky. You know, and I, I went up to the Chippewa Flowage. I'm like, this, me and Tony went. Um, is he your partner? I'm guessing. No, no. The oh. first year, the first tournament, Chippewa Flowage tournament, I fished with Doug Grisso, who owned um, and started Grim Reaper Lures. Um, Grim Reaper was was he was out of Ohio and then moved to Moorhead at Cave Run. Him and Crash were really good friends. Um, and then uh, he moved down to Cave Run, and they had that who that guy just left. Was he supposed to leave? Yeah, I don't can know you, can you guys bad. hear me? It's, I can hear you. Can hear, he can hear you. Yeah, I just can't oh, my see video. you. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. It froze. Sorry. There you go. Um, so we go, and he's like, I always wanted to fish the Chippewa Flowage. Great. I have no money. So that sounds good. <laughs> um, so we went, and, and we fished the tournament. Before that, I, I pre-fished with Tony, and that's how I met Ty Sennett um was uh was there and we went up and and it was just you know i was yeah i was excited i was jacked on chip off lowest home of the big ones and yeah. um it was hard jesus <laughs> i think we were there five days i think i caught one thirty incher uh on a top wall i mean it was we actually met ty in herman's landing when it used to be herman's landing mm -hmm. um it was the old style, you know, now they've redone it. It's all kind of foo-foo and uh, a little more yuppified. But it's uh, back then it was still the old bar, horseshoe bar, a lot of a lot of uh, natives there. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a cool place. We met Ty in there. I don't know. Ty couldn't have been 25, 26. And he said, uh, we had met him at the shows, but that's the first time I'd really hung out with him he said hey i you guys want to go night fishing tonight sure i've never been night fishing i'd heard about it um i'm like yeah let's go it's great so me and tony getting ty this was back when ty had the um all the the esox tillers you know the small low profile yeah. Oh, boats yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we're going out there and he is zipping around and i'm like what the fuck you know there's islands <laughs> trees going by no oh, lights yeah. no lights and mm -hmm. uh and so we're fishing and and we hadn't been out there we went to we went to uh pete's bar and uh he i don't know what he gave me i think we were throwing top, i know we were throwing top water i know tony was he had a globe on and actually tony hooked one and ty went to net it and i was standing in the net uh and so that did not go really well it was dark i didn't know what was going on uh and so we lost that one, but I gave me and Tony the idea tomorrow night, we're going to night fish. Mm. Now this is pre GPS, oh, pre <laughs> the only GPS you had was a handheld that sucked. That looked like Pac-Man. I mean, it was, it was awful. And, and we're like, we're going to night fish. This is going to be awesome. Just wait. Here we come muskies. Well, 
We get out there. We're staying at John Detloff's place at Indian Trail, which is still there uh, on the south. God, what would that be? The southeast side. Yeah, the east of the dark water side. It'd be the southeast side of the lake. That's and way so down there. That is way down there. Free mm-hmm. GPS. Yeah. Full morons. Uh, we're we're going out. And, I'm, and I had a Crestliner at the time, a 1750 uh, Crestliner. And so we're like, oh, it's going to, yeah, we got to wait till it gets dark. And that's when they're going to bite. Yeah. So we go out there. And Tony, and it, I will say Tony was a little more um, reserved going. I mean, and, and trust me, if you know Tony Grant, reserved has never been part of him. Uh, <laughs> he goes, are you sure we should be doing this? And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. We got this down. We are golden. And we get out there and it is, I mean, we, we fish a little bit. Again, no GPS. So I'm trying to run Pete's Bar my third day ever on the lake at night. Um so it's it's going horribly as uh as you can imagine and uh we're like oh there looks you know we start seeing like this lightning off in the distance like a, a storm coming in i go ah we better start heading back to camp no gps i go oh we just need to go there's no we just go to that light over there that's oh, that's, that's where we need to go <laughs> we got so fucking lost oh, we no we were out there until 5 30 in the morning no way before we figured out how to get we, we didn't know where the fuck we ended up at about four different resorts asking people getting rained on we're literally getting ready to flip coin who gets to sleep with their head under the console because of the rain <laughs> um oh it was awful we finally get back towards indian trail and i'm you know i got the spotlight up there shining it <laughs> Um, and of course it's foggy and rainy. So all you can see is about eight feet in front of you. And, um, we finally get back to the resort and of course, in, in good Wisconsin fashion, there's still guys at the bar at <laughs> five 30 in the morning. And I told Tony, I, I told Tony, I go, don't tell me about where they're lost. Don't, just don't, don't, don't say anything. And, and Tony was, he goes, they'll just think, I just tell, they'll think we're just getting up and going fishing. So we go in the bar and they go, Hey, were you guys the ones lost out there with the big spotlight going on? Everything? <laughs> yes, that was us. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first experience night fishing on the great Chippewa flowage. And, That's uh, insane. but yeah, the first tournament I fished, that was a couple weeks later. Um, that would have been third week of June, something like that. And we didn't do crap. I raised a few, uh, I can remember it that way. Um, that tournament was, I think there was only seven fish caught out of a hundred. There wasn't a hundred guys in it. There wasn't a hundred. And it was a guaranteed, it was a guaranteed 20,000 first place because wow. the casino had um, the casino. Oh, I know who won that. Um, uh, Wayne Gooch made the tallywhacker. Um, nice. Wayne Gooch. No yeah. Wayne Gooch won that. Yeah, he won that tournament with I can't remember his partner's name, but yeah, Gooch won that. I I do remember that. So yeah, that was the first tournament I ever fished, and we did terrible. So oh, it sounds like sleep. you were probably a little sleep deprived. <laughs> uh, sleep deprived, not knowing what's going on. So Doug got sunburned. It was a there was a lot of swelling. It was a it was just a rough deal. Without the GPS, I thought you were for sure leading us into you guys just beaching it on an island middle of the night, no idea. But... <laughs> At least you managed to die. You know what? The, I would have uh... preferred that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we, it's, I mean, it's all I can remember. I still remember this day, just like with the flashlight, just beat up, shining it back behind the boat and just seeing that brown water just getting real turbulent and thinking, well, this is how I go. This is it. <laughs> I'd be thinking <laughs> but, the same thing. No, that was, that was fun. That was, uh, yeah, that was the, the Floyds. And then we went to the, the uh, St. Clair, first time I'd ever fished St. Clair. Um, and St. Clair is where I actually got to my, my partner that I had for damn near 15 years. Um, uh, uh, Groucho, Dave Grachowski. Um, that was the first tournament we'd ever fished together. We had fished together as friends. Um, we had met through Muskie's Inc., um, the Kentucky chapter of Muskie's Inc. And he, um, and, and Groucho, I remember him saying he'd went to St. Clair once and all I knew is he had a way bigger boat than me. And I'm like, that would be nicer um because yeah. saint Clair, i mean that was back you know that was in well that was in 99 and it just you know i was awestruck by it i mean um i had never been on a body of water that big in my life had no idea what to what to expect got caught in one of the worst storms i've ever been in in my life it was it was awful Sounds um, like your tournament experience really was off to a hot start. We, I, yeah, no, I can usually find <laughs> the worst. Um, but in that tournament, the first day, let me think. The first day, well, in that tournament, I don't, you know, Ed Hagenson that fished, the fishes the tournaments now. Eddie fishes with Paul. Oh. You know, Paul, the guy that blows the conch shell at the beginning of every tournament. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You think, oh. you know, well, his partner, Ed, who'd been, who was one of Tim's buddies, had been fishing it since it, Ed sunk twice on, on St. Clair. Sunk? Uh, what? His sunk, boat sunk? sunk twice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was fishing with um, John. I can't remember John's last name. I, I fished with John a couple times. Um, but uh, he had uh, had a toughie at the time, an old Esox, and not the best boat for Lake St. Clair. Um, oh, they're small. And, it, and there was Narrow. two storms that came up. The one storm I got caught in, and I, I was in a six ninety, which at the time was the biggest boat Ranger made, and it was awful, like giant waves. Like once you got into a trough, you couldn't see either. All you seen was wave on both sides of you, Jeez. and uh, and Ed sunk once in that. To where they, and I will say this about those Esoxes. I mean, they went down, but, you know, once you got the water out of them, they pop right back up. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, he sunk on Friday pre-fishing, and he sunk on Saturday at the end of the tournament. I mean, how far out is he? Like, what, is he just sitting there? He wasn't or? out. Of, he wasn't out a long way. It just, it whips up so fast on St. Clair. I mean, you yeah. got a, you got a lake that's an average depth of 14 feet, and all of a sudden the wind starts blowing. And you're just, you're shit out of luck, um, especially in a small boat like that. But yeah, Ed sunk twice. Um, <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, but we ended up catching a fish there. That was back when we had judge boats. Um, when we had judge boats in the tournament, we caught a fish. We went way out the first morning. So um, real quick, how did that go? Well, like you were saying you had judge boats. This is 99. I mean, how, mm -hmm. how does so that you had a, happen? So you had a radio. 
I mean, you had a you had a uh, you had to have a marine ra a band radio in the boat, and you when you got a fish, you would call the judge. And then this was, I mean, this was early on. This was before, you know, I actually was on the rules committee there for a while. Uh, still hold the record for the most complaints filed in a single tournament against a person. Uh, was was me? Yes, it's another Congrats. feather in my cap. Um, the uh, the so the way it worked was basically if you got a fish you had it in the net you'd get on the you'd get on the radio and at that time it was still an open channel radio it wasn't like um uh we later on transitioned into um a grid network where if you were in that grid pattern that was the number that you called okay. um this was still open radio and uh i was like you know pmtt um need a judge boat and and they just say where are you at and we were the furthest boat out. I do not know why. Well, I do know why. It was the only place we had a bite, pre-fish. And I go, we got to go there. Again, no <laughs> GPS. And, uh, or very, you know, it, it, this was the the day of very obscure GPS and then landmark. Where you're like, oh, out in front of that barn there seems to be about where we need to be. Um, and so that's what we were we were doing. We were way out. And I think we were seven miles out and Jeez. it was, it was pretty rough. I know. Well, I do know it was rough. I was laying down cause I was getting seasick. Uh, <laughs> and you know, grouch was just eating a donut and I just, I'm laying, I got the line set and, uh, literally was probably down 20 minutes and we had a fish. And at that tournament back then was when you had to like, everything was based upon the size limit of that lake. Okay. So it wasn't like the 30 inch limit. Now it was so like the Chippewa flowage was 34 back then. Uh, and St. Clair on the Canadian side, cause we were fishing out of bell river on the Canadian side, it was 42 inches. So you couldn't measure anything that wasn't 42 or above. And so we caught a, yeah, yeah. And so, it was just one of those weekends where there just wasn't a ton of fish caught. And we had like a 42 and a half and ended up getting, I don't know. It was like seventh, eighth place. Um, that was your second tournament ever. Take a yeah. top 10. Yeah. Like, and, All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I can do this. Uh, and then we, we fished there and then we went to Lake Chautauqua in Illinois, in, in uh, New York. Um, which I'd never been to. Uh, and it was, uh, it was cool. I still like Chautauqua. I think Lake Chautauqua is one of the coolest lakes there is, um, as far as catching fish. Cause it reminded me a lot of cave run when we had weeds. It's a lot of long weed edges, uh, milfoil, very distinct edges. And this was back, you know, again, this is back, you know, late nineties. This is back when people were still not even throwing bulldogs. Okay. This was like, you know, That's the bulldog was in, came, the bulldog came out in 93. So this was only like six years into the bulldog. And you had a lot of people that didn't even, right. didn't know what they were. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we had started, I, I, down south, we throw a lot of rubber down south. And so we'd been throwing them for a while. Tony had gotten to know Brad at the sports shows. And so that's kind of how I got introduced to, to all that. And, uh, we were throwing um, just a black regular dog, not the mag or anything like that. The, the pounders weren't even a, a thought yet. Um, 
and we started catching fish, but it was Chautauqua, so they had to be 40 inches to register. Well, shit, I think we caught probably on these black dogs, I think we caught probably six or seven fish pre-fishing. Oh, my God. Uh, but none of them over 40. Okay, so they were like 37, 38. But at the time, like, we were going, you know, of course, it's bulldog, you know, it's rubber. You didn't have a ton of them. So we called Raleigh and Helens and had them next day, like six bulldogs <laughs> to the, the, we want, I remember where we stayed. We want you cabins, uh, <laughs> is where we stayed. <laughs> luxury. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's, sure. it's luxury. I'm a connoisseur of shitholes. And <laughs> that's, that's one that I would highly recommend if you want fleas. Um, Please. but there's, uh, so I had them next day. I'm there. And I mean, we were hiding, you know, at the time we were like trying to be secretive. I mean, I was hiding them in shoes and all kinds of stuff. Cause there was a group of us staying at the, at the cabins. We had one fish. We, I do not recommend this. We had one fish that died and it was like right at 40 inches. And so I'm like, Tony, where's the fillet knife? And, uh, uh, we cleaned one. It was, it was super fucked up. Um, <laughs> Had to eat. Had to eat. Had to eat. And we want you. And we want you. Uh, not not trusting their continental. No, you know. no. Oh, it was, yeah, it was a toast of India. Um, yeah. <laughs> we want you. So we uh we did that. And then that tournament, um uh Chautauqua, their fish there are really weird because I mean there's a lot of fish there. Um I heard uh this year that they were down. But yeah, it's just got a lot of muskies in it. It was always known for trolling. Um, it's been known as a trolling fishery, but it's a great casting bite as well. And uh, it, we got, we ended up getting uh, a 46. Groucho got a 46 and a, I was like a 46 and a half. And nice. we got one more fish. And we had the lead up until like the last hour on Sunday, and a guy got a 48. Uh, and that was, uh, we ended up getting second in that tournament, um, which was, uh, which was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. I, I like, you know, it was a lot of fun and, and actually he caught them on mag dogs. And at that time I'm like, I don't even know if I got a rod big enough to throw that, um, Seriously. you know, back then. So, uh, but that was, uh, that was, that was Chautauqua. And then we had cave run, um, Home water yeah. at the time. Home, home water, and yeah. You're off to and, a hot start. Yeah, and we Two we ended up getting up a, to three. Yeah, we ended up getting a top ten there. I think we got like eighth or ninth. Just about every, just about all the guides placed in the top ten at that one. That was that was a good one for uh, for the locals there. Um, I remember I got one on a. I got another one on a bulldog, uh, and then got one on a spinner bait. I think I know Tony and them caught a couple on spinner baits trolling. Um, yeah, so I mean we we had some fish, and mm -hmm. then um, and then the championship was on Lake Kincaid, and uh, that was uh, first time I'd ever been there. But Kincaid is has always been a good lake for me. Um, that was the first time I was there, and. Uh, I fished, um, I fished two tournaments on Lake Kincaid and I won them both. So uh, I like that lake. Dang. And, so you won uh, the championship yeah, then? It, 
I won the championship that year. Yep. I was twitching 10 inch jakes and boat stalls. I caught two 37 inchers. Um, and we also won team of the year that year too. So that talk about was, a hot start no, that, tournament. Fishing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good, but that was back. See, that was back probably three or four years before, um, you know, now with the point system, the way it works, it's a lot more fair. You know, back then it was um, you just took whatever points you got in that tournament and added them up. Right. So like, you know, uh, um, it, it wasn't as fair. So like, let's say a guy would have caught a, you know, in one tournament got like four fish. Well, but didn't catch any in, 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 two, in, in two other tournaments. He would beat that other guy because those four fish is a lot of points. Right. And let's say a guy oh, catches yeah. one fish in each, if a guy catches one fish in each tournament, you know, they're not getting as many points as that one guy is that got them in four. So that right. was a big reason why we changed the, uh, the point system for team of the year. Cause it just well, wasn't fair. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Um, Cause I know we're going to kind of dive into some more PMTT stuff, but I just want to ask just from like a general tournament fishing question. Like when you're 19, start bolting these fish in the tournaments mm -hmm. like what i mean because I, I know with gus and i like when we first fished in our first pmtt we like the first fish we ever caught in a pmtt in eagle river in 2022 i uh, was like 31 inches and we were freaking out we were like oh, yeah. this is the cool we're like we just caught a fish we just caught a legal fish in a pmtt event like this is awesome yeah and yep. so i guess like you know you're 19 Obviously, the chip doesn't go well, but then all of a sudden you start racking up all these tournaments back to back. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what's the? I mean, is, were you just hooked on tournament fishing? What was like? I yeah, guess, what were the vibes I, like in the boat. I I love tournament fishing. I still do um, because yeah. I still think there's no better way to learn than under pressure, um, and there's no better way to learn a new lake than in than in tournaments because it kind of forces you to do it and i've always said and it's kind of been a mantra there's a fish biting every day it's you know there's a fish biting every second of every day it's your job to find it and tournaments is the the, the you know because every tournament i don't care how bad the conditions are except for that one pmtt on the on the bay um there's always somebody going to figure it out right there's always somebody going to catch a fish uh, no matter how bad a tournament you're having someone is having their best and <laughs> it, it drives you crazy. Mm -hmm. It will. I mean, we had a tournament, perfect example at Madison. Okay. And this would be in probably 10 years ago now, maybe longer. Oh, hell it was longer. We fished and it was in September. And this was kind of when I learned, I, I really got to learn about the shallow water, you know, about the, you know, the cool down push to shallow water in the, in the early fall. And right. So we're, we're fishing it and we're, me, me and Groucho, we're fishing, you know, three days doing weed edges. And I'd never really done any super shallow water stuff, um, on a lot of lakes, just hadn't done it. And we had caught some fish pre-fishing and it felt halfway decent about going in the tournament. So we go in and, uh, the first day and we, at, we don't do shit. We don't see a fish. We don't. We don't hook a fish. We don't know if there was a fish even within a hundred yards of our boat. And, and I, so at the end of the tournament, I don't know if you guys do this, but usually here I'm fishing, I'm going, so, well, you know, how many do you think we're caught today? And, you know, at that time I'm going, oh, 
probably 15, 20 fish. You know, I mean, we didn't have that great a day, but I'm sure there was some caught. And we met Jason Summers in the parking lot. I don't know if you guys know Jason or not. Jason oh, and recognize he was one of the guys that uh, invent, you know came up with the Medusa. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he fished him and Hammernick were best buds. They got into it together. And so there I, I see him in the parking lot. I go, how'd you guys do? He goes, ah, we didn't do very good. And we're both kind of playing coy to each other. And finally I go, we didn't see a fish. We didn't see shit. We didn't do nothing. He goes, thank God we didn't either. And <laughs> I'm like, how many do you think was caught? He goes, eh, probably in that 20 range. We get back to the rules thing. At the time, was a PMTT record, <laughs> seven, you know, sixty-eight fish caught. I mean, people just, you know, grandmothers catching them from the docks. It was, uh, <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> insane. And uh, like I said, we didn't see. It. And the whole thing was, is we were fishing the wrong water. We were fishing the edges. All those fish that were on those edges pushed up, went shallow. And so that taught me right there. You know, it's just, it, it, they're always biting. There's fish everywhere. I just, just because one person isn't doing good doesn't mean the other person isn't. So I'm I'm big believer in that in tournaments. I'm a big believer in, I like to stick a fish pre-fishing just because it makes me feel better <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I got one to bite. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, they do like me here. Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't mind sticking a fish pre-fishing, um, but I don't want to beat fish up by any means. So, but yeah, you know, early on like that, catching them, I mean, it's, you know, you do get, I still get it today. I mean, you know, last year we got a fish there and, uh, at Vermilion, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, or, or, uh, Rick got the one in, uh, in Madison, a 35 incher. I mean, I mean, you're both are shaking. We're like, thank God one got in the boat. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody does. I think you just, you kind of gotta be that way. It ain't bass fishing or anything else. I mean, you, you know, musky fishing, sometimes one fish can, mean a lot yeah i mean yeah i can kind of confirm or switch up whatever you think you should be doing Mm -hmm. um there's no doubt about that i mean i know gus has his own theories on that um that i kind of abided to a little bit when we were tournament fishing this year on the pre-fishing stuff so i guess my question to you would be like from 99 to fast forward to 2023 i mean are you pre-fishing different Mm -hmm. What are you doing now that you weren't doing oh, or doing? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, right now, a lot of the lakes, I mean, it just depends because we're not really going to that many new lakes right now that I haven't, um, right. that we haven't been to. We've done, I don't know, Stella would know, but a lot of, you know, so I still prefish just, I try to always do three days. I like to do three days. Anything less than that, I get a little antsy. <laughs> Sure. But I like to do I like to do three days. Um, I'm a big believer in. I, th- I think I'm uh, because of the advances in sonar and stuff. I do a lot more mapping and looking now than I used to. Um, mm-hmm. I I still though like to to go out there and actually fish. You know, try to put a little steel to them if I can. Um, uh, what are you looking what are you looking for when you're doing your mapping uh you know depending on what lake i'm on i'm looking for the weed edges you know kind of where the weed edges are where the bait sets up the older i get i find myself fishing deeper and deeper um so with the map chips and cards what they are now where we can actually see these edges and drop-offs of these flats that are way the hell out there 
Um, I find myself looking at those areas and actually fishing some of those areas because um, what I've kind of learned over the years is, you know, fishing that break, you know, you got your your main weed break right there, right at your weed edge. Um, then you've got this secondary break that goes into, you know, deep water, you know, super deep water. And then you got your third break that might go into a channel. I find myself fishing that secondary stuff a lot. It just cause one, you're, you're mainly fishing by sonar anyway or by map and it just doesn't seem to get fished by a lot of anglers uh but the only problem with that and what i've learned about that what used to be called open water fishing i really don't even call that open water fishing anymore because you are structure fishing right um is you don't get a lot of follows out there so you either got to catch them or you don't and so then when you're mm -hmm. tournament fishing it's a it, it kind of you got to believe that there's fish there <laughs> no feedback it, yeah it's it's you, it's stealing one it's yeah, tough. that's and that that's an issue. But I, I like pre-fishing that kind of stuff. And if I can find something doing that, I feel really good. Um, but if I don't, then I, you know, uh, I, I'll I'll go right back up into the weeds where you know a lot of the guys are, and just try to do something just a little bit different um, to get them to go. Uh, but I, I like checking out those deeper areas first. I find myself drawn to that. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes you just, it don't. Uh, right. And that's what drives you crazy. How, how do you make the decision during a tournament? Because I know this year, Gus has always had the motto of stick and stay and make them pay. So if you if you come into a tournament, you do pretty well fishing out deeper off a secondary break. And then first day the tournament rolls around and you're, whatever, five hours in, you got nothing out there. I mean, like, when is your time to give it up, get into a new strategy? I've you know? actually kind of changed my philosophy a little bit here um, in the last few years. I Nobody used to camp like I did. Oh, we <laughs> would camp on stuff like you would not believe. Um, we And it, it paid off. It, it really did. I mean, we won the, the Minnetonka tournament. Uh, we won a Minnetonka tournament one time. We fished 50 yards for two days. Wow. The same 50 yards. Um, ended up catching and ended up catching three fish. And I don't think I could do that now. I don't think I could do that. But I, I have learned now sometimes you just got to, and my old uh, teacher used to say, drop back 10 and punt. Because uh, <laughs> it's just, it, you've got to know, uh, you know, you got to, move around a little bit. Um, I don't camp near as much as what I used to. Um, I'll give a spot quite a while, but I'll, I'll move. Um, the other thing that I do, I used to have a deal of, you know, I'll never, I won't fish in the tournament, a spot I didn't pre-fish. Um, I used to always do that and that paid off for a long time, but, um, now I, I don't, I mean, there's, I typically, if I, if I'm just totally gasping at, at what to do, I will try to I'll, I'll try something new the first part of the tournament on Saturday because I'm like I can always go back to something else. That's right. I got time. Yeah. And so yeah, I'll smart. I'll do it right out of the gate. If mm -hmm. I want to, if I want, let's say that I'm pre-fishing and I'm like on Friday night, I'm like God, I really wish we'd have just tried this, yeah. um, and we didn't have anything else going. I would I would go out right away and do it and say, all right, let's see if it's happening. And that's worked. I, I've placed, um, I, I've done pretty well. We were in a, a cave run tournament, uh, me and Groucho, we got second place in, and this was, um, 
man, this was again years ago. Hell, I can't remember. Um, probably early two thousands, and we had, you know, in April down there when we have that tournament, it can be so weird. It depends on water temperature, what stage the fish are at. The fish are literally everywhere. That's what makes that tournament so challenging. Um, and for you guys that come down from up north, a lot of times we don't really have weeds established then. So it is a, it's definitely fishing cave run in the spring and in the fall are two different things, two totally different mm -hmm. deals. And so we had kind of, you know, the weeds were kind of grown up. I mean, there was some weeds, but we never, um, and there were fish in them, but there was a lot of guys fishing them and it did, but there wasn't a lot of fish there, you know? Mm -hmm. So we fished the weeds the first hour and I told Groucho, I go, I just, I got a, you know, I, I got this feeling, you know, I know at Green River right now, the guys are getting fish out of the docks. We don't really do that here yet. No one's really done it yet. Let's, uh, I know they catch them on bluegill there, uh, cause I've <laughs> seen them do that. Uh, let's go try it. And so what we did is we, uh, we were taking, um, 10 inch red Octobers, um, white or that baby musky gold pattern. Yeah. And um, we were taking them and actually just flipping them like bass, like bass fish in the 10 inch tubes back up in the stalls, letting them sink and then swimming them up and out of it. And uh, within the first half hour, Groucho got a 45 incher. Uh, <laughs> two hours later, he got a 40 incher. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're, you know, and we were leading uh, going into the going into the tournament. And that was the year that we changed and went from measuring, uh, you could measure 30 inches and register them. Okay. Um, before, okay. Before they even at Kentucky had to be over 34 inches. Okay. So oh, wow. I can't remember what year that was. And we ended up getting second. We got beat. I actually lost a fish the second day. Um, just, I was on a tube and it just popped off. Um, but, uh, we got second with uh, the guys in the lead where um, we got beat because actually the, the guys that beat us, really nice guys. They fished the tournament. They still fish it to this day. They're the oldest partner team in the tournament, the Doctors, the Brusets. Um, We've run into okay. them, Gus. Okay. Yeah. They won that tournament. They got five, but only one was over 40 inches. The rest were under 34 um oh, wow so they found the they used that to their they, advantage they did yeah on medusas they uh they got them but uh but yeah no but that was an example of of when we just decided you know what we got to try something you know I, I i always believe in trying it early on saturday because again you can always go back to what you were doing <clears throat> yeah that's a that's a new one that we've never used we've always gone first thing right into something that we knew pre-fishing but i think we might have to try that if we're i don't know either down bad on pre-fishing or like you said on a whim you're like i wish i should have tried that pre-fishing yep. we ran out of time or something like that yeah yeah and no matter how long you pre-fish you always run out of time that's true, <laughs> yeah. true you never you, you, you never you never you know and then or you or you don't you know there's there's a bait you didn't get to try or there's there's something you know, whether it be a spot or a bait or a technique or this or that. <clears throat> and it was like, we want to, uh, we were fishing, um, 
the championship on the Fox chain. And we had pre-fishing, just could not get anything to go late fall. And um, it was actually on, I think that was kind of what got me into it because it was on Sunday. We'd never, we hadn't done anything. So starting Sunday morning, I told uh, uh, Groucho, I said, you know, let's just try. I was fishing Mille Lacs at the time. So that would have been before 07. Uh, I said, let's try it, you know, because we caught a lot of fish out there trolling bulldogs, jerk trolling bulldogs at huh. like two and a yeah. half miles an hour. So I was like, let's just give that a try. And I go, I, you know, we just haven't done it. It seems like these fish aren't wanting to follow. You know, I've always learned if you, if a fish, if the fish aren't wanting to follow, sometimes they just want something to stay in their zone. They don't want to come up. So we were doing that and, uh, ended up catching, a. Uh, I put on a, what was it? It was a mag walleye uh, with some extra weight and we were trolling it like a hundred feet back. I was jerk trolling it and ended up getting like a 40 incher. And we actually won team of the year that year on that fish. Um, <laughs> so it was, nice. you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, try the new stuff early and then go with what you have confidence in later. So, okay. This question's going to come off bad but we're gonna start with the bad and then we're gonna end with the good perfect um because we're talking about all these you know successes and tournaments and uh I'll ha- i promise i'll have a good follow-up question but mm-hmm. i want to know you talked about losing a fish on uh, day two of a tournament that you took second on do you have like a specific tournament or story that was just like bad heartbreaker where you guys <laughs> were either like had it locked up after day one or like caught a fish late day two. And then lost. Is there, was there any tournaments that went that way where it was just like at the closing bell, you missed a fish that could have done something or anything of that. nature? Oh yeah. Me and Tony had one on, on, um, uh, on Minnetonka where we ended up, and this was just a few years ago. We ended up catching, I caught a 43 and a half. I, I, I totally went against everything I thought pre-fishing the worst thing you can do pre-fishing when you know something's going to work is to do something else and catch something (laughs) uh and that's what happened um we caught a a 51 weed edge trolling uh and i just i don't have a lot of confidence trolling in minnesota in the summertime um early season and open water i do um but weed edge trolling in minnesota in the summertime has just always been a grind um it can be really good at times don't get me wrong but it's it, it is such a grind sometimes and we ended up getting this this 51 inch a really nice fish and it was the only bite we got and i just i knew that was going to screw us because i knew we would try it again and i knew <laughs> it'd be very stupid and uh it was um <laughs> And so Saturday all day, we just, it just, and we stayed in this dirtier water and I didn't like it. It was just bad. I, you know, you go out and just, you just have a bad feeling all day. That was that yeah. day. Yeah. And then the next day I go, let's just, I go draw back 10 punt. Let's go do what I said we were going to do. And, you know, this was in August. I go, I told you what we needed to do in May in this tournament. And, uh, it was just basically fishing super deep weed edges. And, um, and we go out and I think we, uh, I caught one. I got a 43 and a half, but I think we lost four on oh. Sunday. <laughs> oh. Um, so, and then we had, 
but this happened uh well it happened at the chip at the flowage um at the championship this year shit we had uh two fish the first day including that big one and and i think i lost i lost three on saturday and caught one and we lost two on sunday so yeah i mean it just happens i don't even let it get i mean of course it frustrates you but you just can't I've always said to people that lose fish don't win tournaments. So if I lose one, it doesn't usually make me feel too good. <laughs> but sometimes you mentioned that you mentioned that fish from the chip, though. I mean, bagged a fifty incher in inland Wisconsin. Uh, something yeah, that well, not done yet in our yeah. uh, our musky careers. I mean, that was pretty freaking awesome. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a dandy fish and uh yeah no it was great and it's even better to catch one in the tournament but you know the the whole deal with tournaments and stuff is 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 you just can't give up at it because you can you know i i won a tournament back in 08 um the championship on bemidji and i caught we had no fish going into saturday sunday um i i mean we had we'd pre-fished three days i think we'd seen one just nothing and i ran into a, a buddy of mine in the bar and i'm like man we are struggling and he goes well how'd you do today i go we did not do today and he goes well I'll go up he goes let me tell you he goes there was a spot up shallow like well, i'll take any help he goes well two weeks ago there were some fish up shallow in this one area and uh he said we did good on blue and blue and chartreuse cowgirl one blue blade, one or one one chartreuse blade, one nickel blade, and uh, the blue tinsel. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't have nothing like that. So like the next morning, in line, I'm in the bottom of the boat cutting cutting <laughs> baits apart, and I made a, a blue uh, cowgirl nickel and chartreuse blade. And I'm like, I mean, we got nothing to go on. So we went up there, and within like three casts, Groucho had one blow up on a pacemaker. I'm like, well, there's a sign of life, so let's just stay here um and ended up getting a 40 what was it 42 and three quarter on that blue and nickel blue and chartreuse cowgirl i made <laughs> and then right at the end of the tournament i mean the guys in the lead had a 48 and a 48 and a half that's a pretty good i'd feel pretty good on with those right um and then with uh at 12 30 on sunday i got a 54 on a <laughs> on a little eel Jesus. that ended up ended up winning it by a quarter inch. So, I mean, it's just the whole deal is you just don't, you got to keep doing, there's so many fish caught in these tournaments in the last 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. Or in the last 30 minutes, it's ridiculous. Mm. I've been beat in the last 30 minutes. Um, probably, probably a half a dozen <laughs> times by guys. So you just can't, I mean, I, I watched uh, the, the one guy, I can't remember his name. He's partner's, uh, one guy's got a big beard. It was at Iowa. Um, they were coming in literally right in front of the launch at like, um, what time was it? It would have been Sunday. So it was like 12.58. Caught one literally while boats are idling past them to go uh, to go back to the launch. And uh, caught, it was a 30-incher, but it was their fifth fish. And, and they, uh, you know, it bumped them up a little bit more. Gus, does that sound familiar at all about losing big fish with two, three minutes remaining in the tournament? Yeah, sounds a little too familiar. And catching that was like, you guys at time left. That was you guys at uh at Vermillion, right? You lost that big one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would have bumped from, what, I think we got eighth. That could have, well, we don't know the exact measurements on that fish, but it could have bumped a, you know, two or one or something like that. Yeah, that's the way she goes, though, sometimes. I've, I've been a part of that, you know, I've been a part of both sides of it, and one sucks worse than the other. Um, so it's a it's a weird uh, it's a weird deal. But I, I love tournament fishing. To me, tournament fishing is my break um, from from guiding. I like it. It's like my little step away and fishing on my own and and seeing what I can catch uh, uh, on my own behalf. I mean, yeah, we haven't even dived in, dived into your your uh, <laughs> guiding career, which. Sounds like took you kind of all over the freaking United States and Canada. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've I've been traveling, guiding since uh, Jesus, what the, what two thousand one. So now this is twenty two years on the road. Um, it's, what was your uh, first place out of Kentucky that you went to? I was in me and Chad Kane. Uh, I don't know if you knew Chad or not. Um, we went and worked for Pete Mayna in hayward wisconsin um we took some hooked on the chip oh my god me and that chip chips ahoy um (laughs) it was uh yeah we lived in dow's corner which if you don't know what dow's corner is at the time it used to be a bait store um and it was uh they had an apartment behind it and the lady that ran it her name was vicky um one of the meanest white women I've ever met. Um, and she would, she would get so mad when we flushed our toilet, uh, because somehow it would turn the minnow tank off. And, uh, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was luxury digs, man. It was, uh, it was great. That's where I I met Jim Stella. That was a, that was a romance. Um, do you meet him in the bar or on the water? No, he was buddies with Chad, and okay. uh, he come over one night, and yeah, I was stupid, but no, it was uh, yeah, no, we we lived there. I fished, um, I fished a lot on Lower Clam Lake. Sure, um, I fished uh, sand and stuff, but that was back when you know I didn't know what the fuck I was doing up there. Uh, uh, I didn't even know where the boat ramps were half the time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this how, is back how, when... How did you get the clientele ba- then? Um, it was basically people that called Pete, and it was he he had, he was done guiding, and I would just, you know, he would say, here, take, you know, this person called, and, you know, he'd give him a little bit of money, and I had a few people that I knew that came up, and, uh, and yeah, that's how we, uh, that's how we did it. Um, it was not successful. Um <laughs> Any harsh but, welcomes in your first few trips? Oh yeah, I've <laughs> I've been welcomed in many ways. Um, <laughs> there it wasn't bad. I actually got to know um, uh, Dave Durazio, um, an older guy there. I always loved Dave. He passed away a couple uh, last year. He was always such a nice guy to me. Um, and then uh, you know Ty was there. I knew him. Steve Jensen. I got to know sure. him. I think Scott Keeper slept in my truck one time, but I don't know if it was him or another person that looked like him. Okay. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. Um, 
and we so i fished a lot uh, a lot of stuff like that but um while fishing the pmtt in that area is when i got to know jason hammernick and that's how i got introduced to malax so okay. we want I got, to dive into that real quick because i'm assuming sure. that that was like the heyday sure era. oh yeah oh yeah 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 i got to watch him grow up um the oh, the the malax fish so probably fished malax the first time in 0102 probably probably 02 yeah it was 02 and that was back um when there really wasn't a ton of people fishing it i mean you had a handful of guys uh, on the north end and it was you know it, it was it was ridiculous you'd see you know, not that the fish you were catching uh, the first year, it really wasn't the fish we were catching. It was just what you were seeing. I mean, you'd go across those sand flats up there and, and they'd just be laying there. And you'd see it was, it wasn't uncommon to see 50, 60, 80 fish just laying around. Um, oh and, ridiculous. you know, some of them would bite, some of them wouldn't. It definitely seemed to be wind triggered them. Um, Later on, it was, you know, you kind of learn the cold triggers them, rain triggered them, you know, anything that, that triggered that water temperature to change up there a little bit. And and then the night fishing, that's when the night fishing started was in 03. And it just, those fish did not know, you know, originally you'd hear guys that, you know, anytime you hear that something doesn't happen somewhere and it happens everywhere else, it happens there. Um, Because everybody was talking about, you know, oh, the fish in Minnesota don't bite at night. Well, they do. Um, <laughs> or they, you know, fish don't bite like this. Fish, shut up. It's, they, they bite every, you know, it's just if you want to fish for them, right? Right, um, right. But the one thing in Minnesota, I will tell you back then, not so much now, I don't think, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, back then at night, you could be, I mean, if you could cast 15 feet, you could probably catch a muskie after dark. Um, it was it was like that. Yeah, I mean, I I had so many people catch giant fish that you know did not even know they had fish on. Sometimes, um, it, it, it you know it just because back then it just those fish did not know they had never seen baits after dark, and I mean it, it was at the point the first few years it was it was just. But everybody was being, see, you know, you know, turn your lights off, you know, and stuff like that. And then it, it eventually got popular and, 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 and super, super crazy. But yeah, I mean, I've caught fish. I've probably caught a fish at every minute of the day, um, you know, all night, all day. And Malax, we caught a ton of fish. I pretty much almost exclusively night fished. And to be honest with you, that will burn you out quicker than anything. Um, yeah when when, when you literally are fishing from uh 8 p.m to 6 a.m every day um i did that a lot you're just living in like a your own utopia at that point yeah i mean you're eating lunch at 1 a.m and uh (laughs) you know it's just it's it's very very hard to do every day and i did it um and to be honest, I just don't enjoy night fishing that much anymore. Mainly because of that. I did so much of, um, I know it's a great way to catch fish, but if I cannot catch them after dark and still catch them during the day, I would rather do that. <laughs> um, yeah. 
because we just did so much of it. I mean, God, I slept in so many boats. Uh, I mean, and we would, we would do it, you know, back then. I mean, we were all young and, and very you know, stupid. Um, there was many a nights I'd get done guiding. My guys would want to leave or something. I would jump in somebody else's boat and fish and fish a few more hours. I mean, we, we were running on such little, you know, uh, hygiene. Fuel. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, just like... Hygiene, would you, fuel. Everything. Would you say that that was like one of the hottest bites you ever were on during your guiding career? Was there a different lake that was better? There, That and then when the live bait bite was really kicking on Detroit Lakes. I've heard you talk about that. You yeah, told us about that a little bit when we were at the chip. And yeah. we were I mean, like. That was that way. That was yeah, because I had 150 inches in two years. Um, what uh, doing that? <laughs> so yeah, so no, when it was going, first. yeah, it was a. Uh, it was yo, oh, very very dumb, very dumb. I got we got two bulldogs arguing with each other right now. Let's see who wins. Probably the little one. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, yeah, so that I mean that was really stupid. That was a dumb bite. The first jigging bite I'd ever gotten onto at Cave Run when I stumbled onto the vertical jigging bite um, for Kentucky, I had uh, sixty-one fish in twenty-one days, forty-one over forty, um, three over fifty. Um, I just yeah, I mean the but yeah, Malak that Malax thing was crazy. But now as quick as it came, as quick as it went. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it really does. It, the one thing I will say is on stocked fisheries, fisheries that were built from a stocking program, you have to keep stocking them. These places that are, you know, once they think, okay, we're good, we've got this thing established, let the let the natural reproduction take over. It's not going to work out good. Um, it, right. it always, you're always going to lose fish. The population's going to go down. Everything's going to get, uh, every everything's going to change. So. Good. But, did Kentucky ever have that cave run ever have that issue where they didn't stock it very well for a couple we're of years? We're going through a, that? we're yeah. Well, right now we're going through a little oh. bit of a, a deal because COVID got no stocking. Okay. So in yep. 2020, we got no stocking 2021. There was a, something happened at the hatchery and we got a half stock. So oh. we have two years there uh, of where, Things just didn't get put in like they should. So we're dealing with that right now. And it, it's it's going to come back because they are putting in more fish right now. So it's going to come back and it's going to be fine. It's just we got to – you got to take those lumps, you know. And that's mm-hmm. and that's where we're at right now. And I, I to me, all fisheries are kind of ebb and flows. I mean, you just got these up and down waves that you're going to deal with them. Um, it's finding out if you want to ride the wave or – get the hell out of there you know um i've been a part of a lot of that i've moved around a ton um, i was gonna say i feel like I've lived... you've kind of capitalized on that throughout your career sure like, no one i have and i've get out of town yeah i have and, I, and i'm very fortunate i've got the, some of the greatest clients there are that you know that we're that, that we they just tell me where are we going a lot of your client base follow you around wherever you're at. Oh, yeah. You once a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same guy. A lot of it's the same guys every year. I always like new guys, though. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I got a lot of guys that's been with me 20 years, and we've fished everywhere. 
uh, I'll just tell them, you know, hey, do you want to, let's go try, I got a, a whisper on this place over here, let's go hit this thing for this year for a, a week. And, uh, and it's good, but it doesn't, uh, you know, and, and, and sometimes it works. And now I'm at Lake of the Woods. And I think this is a place though I'd like to stay for a while. I, I really like it up here. It's, it's huge. There's a ton of untapped technique, I think is what I'd okay. call it. Um, you know, you know, the spots are spots, but the way they're attacked and the way guys are fishing them, I think there's some, I played around a little with it this year and had some success and, I think it's just something I could play on in the future. So do you think there's going to be another, you know, you talk about these bites at like Mille Lacs and I'm sure it was probably similar when you went over to, cause you got it at St. Clair for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I was there um, from 14 to two to uh, what the hell. <clears throat> so there in Fairly recently. Yeah. So to, to 2020, so 2014 to 2020. Okay. Do you, do you think now with like the technology and just the easy amount of like dissemination of information that will ever be kind of like a heyday bite like there was at Mille Lacs or like a St. Clair just because like it's it's essentially impossible to keep things under Yeah, wrap. but I don't know if there will be a heyday bite, but I think there might be a technique, you know, or a, right. a bait or something like that that might revive some of these fish and 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 like you know all of a sudden you're just catching a ton because you're doing something completely different that they have never seen before. Right. Um, I know that sounds weird, but um, I, I think mm-hmm. that is a possibility because you know nobody knows what's new until they do it, um, and I and I think that could definitely be something. That's what I'm kind of looking around here at the Lake of the Woods area doing is is just you know trying just some different stuff like that and seeing what uh what shakes out there are some great fisheries out there um and i just and i've got to experience some of them i just haven't you know pulled the trigger on going there and to be honest i don't know if i'm going to get to do what i at one time i think if i was 10 years younger might do sure yeah no that's fair i mean yeah, the bait, the bait thing I think is fascinating because I think we've we've talked about it on this podcast a few times with like gear, technology, and baits. Like at what point does things just kind of like tap out or plateau? And I feel like mm-hmm. bait-wise, we've hit a little bit of a plateau. Like you're not getting, you know, when Bulldogs, like you said, came out or like the double, you know, like the Cowgirls and stuff came out. And there was like this mad dash where all these fish were being caught. You know, when mm-hmm. tubes kind of started becoming more prevalent, felt like that was kind of a hot ticket item, which it still is. But uh-huh. I even know for like Gus, Brian and I, I mean, we grew up fishing the Eagle River chain, right? And like we caught so many 27 to 35 inch fish because all we were throwing were, you know, little 500 Booker tails, blades, mm-hmm. uh, daredevils, you know, whatever. And then we really didn't start catching bigger fish until we moved on to tubes and rubber and you know, sure. crankbaits and stuff like that. So I'll yeah. be really curious to know, like to see what type of evolution would come on the, especially the bait sector. I think for me, like what's going to be that next bait that hits the market where people are like, this thing just catches fish. Um, sure. Sure. And I, yeah. and I, you know, I was, you know, I've been a part of a, of a lot of it. Um, the only thing, the only bait that guys just absolutely love that I actually like too, I just have not caught the fish on it that everybody else seems to catch 
is the supernatural stuff. The <laughs> headlocks, matlocks, those kind of baits. I just um, have not they I mean and and everybody is just insane about those things. And and Duff is a great guy. You get him drinking, I he he, he makes me laugh. But it <laughs> I I just have not been I remember the first time Luke uh Ronestran, he was telling me he's like, Oh, you gotta get these things. I'm catching you know, up on Vermilion, getting all these fish trolling on them. And you know, I just have not seen seen that um but i have caught fish on don't get me wrong but i haven't gotten you know it's not like this is what we're using this is what i have to put out so they look amazing you know, it just hasn't been <laughs> they do i mean they're 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 great baits and and stuff but they just haven't been a an over-the-top uh producer for me so but i mean they are good baits i have caught fish on them but they've not been the come all end all that they have been for a lot of people do you think with the with the bait talk here on maybe the next coming bait or technique, I for sure want to ask some techniques maybe that you did at Lake of the Woods, but is there any old baits that you've seen kind of resurface? Do you think an old bait might be something that, that could come back where the fish, a new wave of stocked fish or something don't see? You know, people talk sure, about I, like, I, oh, double tens are catching fish again for a while. People are saying, oh, they really weren't. But, you know, something like that. Sure. I, I think all that stuff comes into play. I think a lot of it comes into play, too. The um, the the equipment and, you know, with blades, it's more the reels, um, how they allow them to mm-hmm. fi- how they allow us to fish them, whether it's fast or slow and um, and stuff like that. I mean, for me this year, I did really well on some single bladed stuff, some double bladed um, like Indiana blades um Mm -hmm. and and some of the smaller stuff i prefer myself um especially when i'm doing speed you know when i'm trying to speed something up i don't want those big blades um (laughs) i want some smaller uh to keep it a little bit easier for me but yeah i i and i you know the 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 one bait that i have seen make a resurgence and it's not necessarily a bait but it's a bait style is the diving rise um your suic yeah. style baits I, I always call them suic style baits but you know it could be any of them but the dive and rise baits you know i you know when when rubber really hit on the soft plastic baits hit on i've i seen a big big dip in the guys throwing the the dive and rise traditional jerk baits right. and um probably in the last four years i've seen that go up um a lot more guys throwing the traditional dive and rise and i i think they do it because they're they're, they're catching fish on them yeah, a lot more people are making divernized stuff. I feel like people say suic a lot because that was like the only one for yeah the longest time, and now there's mm-hmm. tons of bait makers making them, and they're doing all these wild things. And then there's always something to be said, and the boring movement of a suic that goes up and down with really no belly roll catches fish as well. Yeah, I and I'm not a big. I mean, they're pretty and they're great, and I applaud anybody that can paint <laughs> paint a really pretty bait. Um, because I can't, I've always said I paint ishes, perch ish, chartreuse ish, <laughs> crappie ish. That's what I paint. Um, but like the super intricate paint jobs and stuff, I just, that does not, that I'm just not one of those guys. Um, it's never really been a big thing for me. I'm a, I'm a rattle can and a, you know, a, a high school paper bag. Um, I'm a, 
you know, just a normal old standard paint job. I catch a lot of fish on chartreuse black dot, orange black dot, and a black and white. Um, so or, something or, to be said about that, though. I yeah, mean, I mean, good a good old fire tiger. Um, yeah, seriously. That, that that's the thing, and and I so I'm not a big um, custom paint job like intricate paint job. Um, has never been a big thing for me, but I know it's, it's a great, you know, a lot of guys really like it and there's nothing wrong with it and, and God bless them. I'm just not, you know, I, I've had some guys paint some stuff for me that I don't even want to use because it's just, I mean, like, this is too pretty. I don't want to, you know, I'm going to hit a tree with this. Uh, uh, I promise (laughs) you that. And so it's, it does me no, uh, no good for that. (laughs) Yeah, you can yeah. make some expensive casts these days. Oh God, jeez! Exactly. Yeah, double check your knots before going out for sure. Yeah, anything um, for us is in the glide bait world. You know, you see a lot of these really beautiful glide baits. Uh, you know, I where I fish, we fish a lot of rock and trees in the spring. That's why I throw hellhounds because they go side mm-hmm. to side and they're made of plastic, and they don't blow up. Brian uh, loves those baits. Yeah, <laughs> with some modifications. There you go. <laughs> Brian's our bait guy. He's our resident bait guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've been brainstorming somebody... some potentials here while you guys have been on the topic of it, thinking there of the next go. best thing. There you go. <laughs> so, Greg, talking about these techniques here, it sounds like you have a few up your sleeve on Lake of the Woods that you've been trying. Were there any mm-hmm. that you were testing out this year that you're willing to share with the folks? Well, I don't, you know, my whole thing is, like I said, as the older I get, the deeper I want to fish. And I, I, I think it's, and I've also, the more I'm looking at water temps and kind of figuring out, okay, um, what water temps do they, you know, what, what makes them happy and what makes them not happy. <laughs> and so technique wise is like just fishing deeper stuff instead of fishing humps that, you know, like the traditional humps that, that top out at, you know, five feet and less that you're bucktail fishing over, uh, the stuff that's, you know, that tops out at 10 to 15 feet around that. Um, and just coming up with, with a deeper pattern versus, uh, um, the shallow water pattern. Also some of the summertime trolling patterns up here, which I know got to work, um, whether it be spinnerbait in the weeds or, 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 you know, some of the rock hump stuff, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of that stuff. It's stuff that's done in a lot of places. I just don't know if it's done here. Right. right. And with the, some of that deeper fishing, are you just purposely trying to get baits down deeper? Are you fishing slower or faster baits that go? What I'm slower? doing is, 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 is I'm doing probably, you know, what I like to do in those situations is I like to, you know, cover some zones. And I always talk that the water's in, you know, all water's broken up into three zones. You got the top, you got your upper zone, your mid zone, and your bottom zone. And so I like to actually fish, even though I'm on deeper structure, I'll have one guy throwing a high bait, a mid bait. And if, if I'm fishing a, a deeper bait, whether it be rubber, soft plastics, um, I still really like crank baits. Um, mm-hmm. To me, a, a nine inch grandma is a great bait to fish. Oh uh and and get down there and then even over that deeper water i still don't mind the guy throwing a throwing a bucktail and you know and if he wants to burn it that's fine or if he wants to you know a lot of times i'll tell him don't really reel it super fast let it get down there a little bit 
uh, let it fill one of those zones and, and see what happens. So I like to to just try the some of the deeper stuff. That's the one thing I've learned with the whole forward facing sonar. Um, if you've got mm -hmm. it on your boat and you're looking, I mean, there's so many fish that come in and just or fish that are just hanging off a little bit, um, you know, or you see fish that follow you in and they go straight down in 20 feet of water. They come out of eight feet of water and go straight down and, you know, so they're, they're you know, just trying those different zones. That's, that's the only thing I'm really looking at doing. Gotcha. Yeah. In the spirit of it being the new year, mm -hmm. Greg, mm -hmm. what are some new year's resolutions you have here heading into 2024? Uh, or personal you know, whatever. personal <laughs> i'm drinking coors edge uh, oh <laughs> which is yeah it's right on My the January. edge of fun. yeah it's <laughs> right on the edge of fun um <laughs> the uh you get right up to it and then you are disappointed um <laughs> no i think this year one of the things is um down south, I want to concentrate a little more time on some river stuff, moving okay. water. I've been playing with that now the last five years, and it's really done well. I actually got a 50-incher uh, March before last in a in a creek situation, which was really cool. Sweet. Um, and so, uh, yeah, some of the areas down there, I'm, I'm looking because some of the stuff that's some of my – same old, same old has kind of been shitto, shitto. Um, <laughs> so I'm done with that. And then and, um, with the tournaments, just, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have, I can't even remember where we're going to be this year. The first two are the same. Eagle River is going to be a fall tournament this year, right? Championship. That's the championship. Yeah, if we yep. get there and then Tonka in August, which it sounds Tonka. like you've got some good history at. Ton Tonka in August. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I got some ideas there. Um, and then, you know, a resolution is, is uh, for me always, is to learn how to fish a, a technique better. You know, like a few years ago, my resolution was I want to learn how to jig fish. I want to jig fish for muskies. And, uh, so what I did is when I fished, if I was with clients or anything, the only thing I would let myself throw is a jig. Um, and I got pretty comfortable with it and, uh, ended up catching a fish in the PMTT at Cave Run on it. Um, oh, nice. and, uh, our second fish came on a jig and, uh, yeah, I ended up catching, I've gotten, now I've gotten fish up to 48 on jigs and, uh, at, at down home at Cave Run and, uh, it, it's, you know, so I always like to push myself towards a technique, um, that I don't feel like I'm as good at. And that was one of them. And that's one I'm still pushing myself at, uh, because I, I think there's a long way you can go with it. Um, and then, like I said, at Lake of the Woods to keep exploring some of the deeper stuff. Don't just, um, that's been a resolution of mine, you know, that for sure. At, ever since the end of this year, I'm like I, kicking myself going, why didn't you try some deep, you know, there was there were days that you were too chicken shit to do it. And so you got to do it. So. Right on. Well, uh, Brian, if you're still with us, you got one more question. Cause I gotta, I gotta bring up one more topic here before we're done. Uh, you got it. I got gotcha. you. Um, all right. So <laughs> I gotta, I gotta clear the air here. Cause I was the one who texted you about being doing your top 1% fans for musky road rules. Nice. Blasted on yeah. the podcast. 
by you, Luke Ronestrand, and I think it was like Ryan McMahon or yep, somebody yep, else. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, that, that was, was so me funny. who texted you. Nice. And I just want to clear the air here and just plead my case because, you know, I think I was geeking out because one of them was like, man, this guy's got to get a life. Um, yeah. <laughs> I promise that, everyone that was, I do. That, that was Ryan, probably. He's an idiot. Jesus. And I, Luke, I was- trust me, Luke, I've known Luke for 20 years, and you're good. Luke is one of those guys. I always said Luke was one of those guys that don't sweat the small stuff. And the small stuff to Luke is the, well, we just hit a deer. The boat flew off. Everything's on fire, but we're going to be good. Yeah, I was, uh, no, I, I was like, I was laughing pretty hard because they were like, this guy needs to get a life. And I was like, okay, promise I do have a life, but I drive up to Eagle River damn near every weekend from the cities and it's a four and a half hour drive. Sure. And I'm doing it on Thursday nights late after I get out of work most of the time. And I'm listening to, you know, your podcast, the ro- you know, Road Rules. I'm listening to Backlash. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you because honestly, it is sped up my learning curve musky fishing so exponentially because you're just like taking in all this you know when you're listening to it just like half awake in the car you don't Mm -hmm. really think you're retaining much of it it's just kind of like background noise but it's very nice because you're just listening to musky chatter um but it's been amazing how many times you know you guys will say something on a podcast and then i'll go up and fish that weekend and be like oh we you know maybe let's try this there's i was just listening to road rules and i heard you know, like a Ron Strand or somebody that you have on, or you say something like, and it just kind of sparks an idea and it's actually sure. led to more fish in the boat. So yeah, I want to thank you for putting that out every week. Cause it is awesome. And it's definitely paved the way for, you know, guys like us to start our own stupid podcast and talk cool. about skis and have fun. No, so. it, it's, it, it's good. Um, I like doing it. Uh, I just put ours up, uh, yesterday. I talked with, uh, Pons man and uh Cullen Veters from uh out east, out in New York. Cullen yeah. got that big 59 and a half last year or two years yeah. ago. That big yeah. stupid thing. And um <laughs> Hans fishes there and um the St. Lawrence and the uh and the Lake Erie uh Buffalo Harbor stuff. And uh yeah, they just they get an opportunity. That the those fisheries over there are absolutely incredible. They um if you can survive the skunk and handle the pressure, um, there are so the fish that live there are so ridiculous. Um, and I, I've got to play with a few of them, but they, those guys are, are good. And I just put that one up yesterday. So, uh, it'll be a good listen. I don't even know. I've got to get one planned for this week. I, I, this whole new, everything is approaching rapidly. Um, (laughs) so that's where we're at right now. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, we can't thank you enough for the time tonight. And I think we'll definitely have to have you back on. There's a lot of topics we weren't even able to get to tonight. That would be awesome to, uh, to chat with you about here sometime down the road. So looking forward to, are you going to be, uh, what are you going to be at any shows in person? I'm assuming this year. Oh yeah. I'll be Chicago Muskie show, the Columbus Muskie show, which is coming up at the end of the month. Um, and Hilliard, Ohio, that's the one that me and Tony own. So would love to have people come out to that one. Um, I'll be at the Milwaukee Muskie Show, uh, Pittsburgh Muskie Show, and the Minneapolis Muskie Show, and then probably do some Muskie Road Rules events. We're setting those up right now. Now we'll do the the clinics and stuff, and uh, try to get some guys there and and everything. It should be uh, it should be a lot of fun. 
Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. You want to give the listeners uh, where they can find all that stuff? Your guide. Yeah, you can find it. Road rules. Yeah, you can find a lot of it, you know, through my socials or musky hunter socials, Um, either fish Greg Thomas on uh, Instagram. Uh, put a lot of stuff up there. Uh, Muskie Hunter Magazine, Instagram, Muskie Road Rules, Instagram, Ohio Muskie Show, Instagram, that also links to their Facebooks. Um, guide service-wise, go to battletobeast.com. Um, I think I paid for it again, so it should be there. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, uh, you know, don't be afraid to just reach out and, and stuff. I'm booking stuff right now, and looks like it's going to be a pretty good spring, and the summer looks good, and you know, just be a lot of fun and ready to get back out there. I, I don't do well during winter, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm always a little (laughs) caged up, but hopefully by the early March, everything will be good and ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. had a blast talking to those old stories of the PMTT and I, I really look forward to getting you back on and talking some other things. So. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's uh let's do her it's good to see you guys and uh yeah just holler at me and uh uh we'll uh we'll do it again here soon okay Sweet. sounds good appreciate it Greg. All, right. all right guys take care all right later bye, bye. bye. all right we cannot thank greg thomas enough for coming on the podcast tonight and and sharing all that time out of his busy schedule, because I know he's got a lot going on with all the socials and musky hunter and this and that up in the angle. So can't thank him enough for coming on tonight. We had a blast. And man, we did a lot of stories. Uh I know you like to always say this, Max, but I'll ask it. What was one takeaway from here that you guys got out of all the all the stories that Greg uh shared with us here tonight? Well, aside from just pretty much constantly laughing, he's a hilarious guy. Um, hopefully we can get him back on because I'd love to hear more of his musky stories. Um, but he was pretty adamant about fishing deeper water, moving back, you know, to that second break off the weed edge, um, trying to get into more of those untapped fish that don't really see as much baits. And they aren't, you know, people usually just drive into the weeds, which they should. There are a lot of fish up in those weeds. Uh, but you know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll oh, be yeah. willing to take a step out of them this year, I think. So, All right. we'll uh, New Year's resolution. There. Yeah, we'll call we'll, it that. We'll, we'll, we'll go that. on. We'll we'll do some resies after uh, we go through the the interview takeaways. <laughs> we got to go around the round table and do yeah. some resies after that. <laughs> for sure, for um, sure. Max, what about you? Oh, I would say okay. So the biggest takeaway I had was hearing about his Malax days, about how many hours that he was putting on the boat fishing through the night sleeping on the boat and it really got mm-hmm. me thinking like man we're you know living in our young and spry days and as hard as we think we fish maybe we just not even close harder yeah, yeah. like night if he's too. talking about fishing through the night and and then just like hopping in another dude's boat for a few hours like those are some long long days and long nights and uh it just got me thinking like this next summer, I mean, we still got, you know, the time and the motivation with our lives right now that it's just, it's gotta be taken advantage of us to the best, the best we can. So always good to hear some perspective of, you know, a guy reflecting on his uh, younger days a little bit and 
being like, yeah, we can, we can, we can access that next gear. I think. Um, mm-hmm. What about you, Gus? Uh, I'd say when he was talking about the tournaments and how he was saying, if he wasn't exactly on a hot bite before a tournament, he would go first thing the first day into the hunch that he didn't do. Like when he said he, he was going to go tackle a brand new spot because he said he usually doesn't like to do that. Um, I know we did that completely opposite this year. There's a couple tournaments where we fished brand new, new on the back half of days. And I could see how right. that initial could, could, you know, be very productive because yeah. I mean, we're fishing, it's a long day and sometimes the bite you have doesn't establish that day. It might establish in the last hour. It might you know, those are all, that's kind of like the cards that you, you play in tournament fishing. That can be tough. You know how he's saying that we should have done this the whole time, even though we caught one fish doing one thing. And then we tried that and it was maybe a needle in a haystack situation. So just more things that we can probably think about going into tournament season this year. Uh, I'm really excited. I think we're going to be planning on all the events, making sure that we get at least two, three uh, days of pre-fishing in. So definitely yeah. looking forward to that and using that. So with that being said, let's go over the New Year's resolutions because this is now 2024, first podcast of the year. Uh, who wants to go first? Um, I just want to add to, and I'm pissed that I forgot to revisit this when we were interviewing him, but did I hear that right about whatever this live bait Detroit Lakes thing was where he caught like 150 inches in a few years? Yeah, two years, two years 100 over 50. 101 I, I would have liked to have dove into that a little bit more. I <laughs> see that first yeah. ever live bait dropped in the lake or what, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, there's no bait ever. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get to see a 20 inch, 18 first inch sucker. sucker. Yeah. <laughs> that is That's wild. pretty wild. That's just stupid numbers that could that would ruin a man i feel like that would ruin a man yeah i'm not sure i'd want to go back to like any other type of musky fishing after that but we'll get into that next time we chat with him um but yeah in terms of new year's resolutions like we just mentioned um i am going to be more willing to fish deeper water um not gonna be quivering in your shoes gus can you write this down please (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna be quivering in his not shoes if he's cast out not without a little bit of a fight you know uh, a little discussion <laughs> after it's proposed i guess but uh yeah would like mm-hmm. to get a little bit better mm-hmm. at open water fishing um and then in terms of a goal for musky fishing uh i would like to catch uh, man i don't want to set an unrealistic bar but um just a new PB? Yeah, mine as well. Mine as well. Uh, I'm going to say a 40-plus incher on the fly. Ooh. Like nice. that. Might, might, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's too far-fetched. I was just going to say my PB on the fly, which would be like 34 or higher, but we'll say 40. Make it fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm sure there's some places that we can play that you know into account if it's a smaller oh. body of water and we want to break okay, a spot that down weed small. Bite. Yeah. yeah, or try an early season, or maybe line. bring it into play on like, I don't know if you got sinking line yet or whatever to pl- yeah. come into play in like the fall. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could. If we're on one of those bites where we know like 
right where the fish are and all we have to do is just hammer that one little spot till they bite i think we could get that done for <laughs> get sure get them in their little playpen and just sit there spot lock yeah it. i mean you gotta you you cast less and you cast not as far with fly so you gotta yeah i don't know you ain't Make seen my sure double haul lately though have you no, I haven't seen you double haul in a minute, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, Max, you got what's your New Year's resolutions and goals? Uh, I'd say my first resolution, not a well, it could be a goal, I guess, too, but probably be uh be nicer to Brian in the boat. Hey, resolution for me. let me tear up right now yeah i think i gotta be a little bit nicer i've been a little hard <laughs> on him over the past few years you know especially if him and i get in the boat again in a tournament together um just really gotta stick to that pvo you know mm -hmm. positive mm -hmm. vibes only uh got so you've had that model for a couple of years and after the four hour mark it seems to fall apart uh you know That's, i, I like think to remind i you of that I think late fall, I had a, a mind switch, a mental change, if you will, a coming to Christ moment uh, mm -hmm. where I realized, you know, these trips might be fleeting as I get up in my old age. And I've really started to enjoy them a lot more. And I think uh, I'm going to carry that into the new year and mm -hmm. just kind of see see how that goes for the enjoyment of musky fishing. And I think through that, I will be nicer to you on the boat. You know, probably won't be trying to throw hands as much. Maybe I will. I will say that there's some good fun when those PVOs start to crumble and everything <laughs> starts to hit the fan. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can clip this, and after our first, you know, big send weekend, I'm sure you're going to be bringing it up, being like, you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. after we fight 19 times in the boat, and, we'll revisit uh, these resolutions. <laughs> and I'd say a goal. I got two goals. Would be um, first to get better at fishing rivers i think Ooh, throughout this fall that. we uh we started to tap into the river systems a little bit more saw their potential um i think we could incorporate that in our rolodex you know we could really fight some weekends where we either get some dealt a bad hand with weather wind you know whatever um mm -hmm. turnover to start to kind of focus and, and hone in on the rivers and then Tournament wise, I would say a goal of mine would be trying to keep it realistic in our second year doing the trail. Uh, it's a big goal, but my goal would be at one point in time to hold the lead of a PMTT event. So whether that's after day one or better, better yet, obviously after, after day, day two. two or three in the championship, but at one point in time to, you know, really put together a bite during a full day and knock it out of the park I you think, think you'd sleep if it was uh holding the day one lead i'd be nervous as shit i'm sure gus would be too um mm -hmm. but just to i think for me it's more like knowing that you know last year we did i think we did a good job of grinding out like a fish or two you know throughout the tournaments and obviously like we're consistent but we never really had that like banner day where yeah. we just really found it and stuck to it and like just put a hurting on him so i think you know just just a goal but to, to hold the lead in in a pmtt event at some point in time after a full day what about you gus yeah yeah that's a good one i'll uh i'll just go right with my goal then right away right off of it it's gonna be well I'll, i'm gonna set two goals one 
um well they're both i guess on a professional level uh of or quote unquote professional level cuz PMTT I'd say to keep the consistency uh boat a fish in each event i think that's that's the goal you know obviously holding the lead or doing something crazy catching a couple this and that that would be awesome but i think if we keep our keep consistency something like that is bound to happen you know we're bound to stumble on a couple in a spot or you know keep keep fish pinned and 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 stuff like that and so that's that's a goal of mine there and um i guess this is a more broad goal but with uh with guiding definitely to uh up up the uh trip count and just have just make sure that i i don't put too much pressure on myself that it's like you know you need like like you know the first thing that'll go through my mind is like we need a fish or whatever you know you gotta i gotta more play into making sure always that the client is having a great time enjoying themselves learning something you know if they want to learn a specific technique a specific lake or if they just want to catch one then you know we'll go to somewhere with that there's more you know more fish per density or more a higher density fish uh population but that would be a goal of mine there for the guiding season and uh hold on i think we're all hold I'll just, real quick don't fit a library on this but i think we're all forgetting one goal we should have would be to make it to canada mm. oh yeah yeah got a lot of dms from people about that trip if we ever did so we got a good good plethora of resources yeah, <laughs> yeah i know there's there. a lot of thank you to all reaching out there i think yeah we'll definitely <laughs> have somewhere to go yeah. we won't be lost yeah shout out shout out <laughs> all right but, guys back uh, to it back to it back to it new year's resolution oh man i haven't really thought of this at all i didn't really put much thought going not many thoughts have really happened yet on these uh this day two of 2024 <laughs> anyway haven't, so. really, haven't really turned your brain on yet after no, your brain is not this is yeah focusing very, on breathing in and out where i'm on a, i'm on a manual level i gotta Just like manually tell myself how to sit down and how to stand up left foot forward <laughs> then right foot yeah Stuff like hey, that. Baby steps now. into the new year. Ain't no need to rush it. Correct. <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know. I could go into kind of anything on, you know, a resolution is probably just fishing new lakes again. You know, I've already upped the amount of lakes I've put on my little note sheet. Uh, there's plenty that it didn't even get to this past year that I want to go to. I think <laughs> in the times that I'm not guiding, I want to make sure that I'm not just hammering bites that I know I want to make sure that I'm just continually searching at all times, you know, just for that next bite up here, the next lake that's hot for a little bit, find a bait that's hot on one lake and then bring it to another, something like that. You know, that's, 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 I think something that I'm going to be looking for. So I might, I'll, if I think of a better resolution, I'll, I'll bring her up in the next podcaster too um i i would like to add one more if you guys are willing to accept this proposal um 
next year during one of the bender weekends or whatever weekend it is we not sand an all-nighter but we fish until 2 or 3 a.m pending conditions and just like but like max off. was saying yeah. really give it a good all-night fishing send i, like I think it. that would be good wow. for for a mid midsummer one if we do one in <sighs> really fish like 18 months. hours yeah yeah. Uh Gus, you want to touch real quick on our uh few days of musky fishing over winter break real quick and then we yeah. can wrap it up tonight. Yep, I think that's gonna be the the wrap. Um we were able to get out right after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. Um we were very lucky to have some buddies in the area that didn't have their boat winterize prematurely as I did because winter was setting in in late November. And then it took a turn in mid-December. I was actually able to get out once in mid-December on just a trolling mission with uh, with our good buddy Clayton. And we fished a brand new lake. It didn't go super well. I think we marked a few. But uh, then weather took another turn and things just stayed open or opened back up in late December. And Max and I were able to get out with Clayton and his boat for one day with their buddy uh, Jarrett, and then the other day Clayton was gone, and we and our, you know, the same, our same buddy Jarrett had his boat still uh, not winterized, and we hopped in the boat with him. So we did two full days, and uh, we went two for four the first day, and zero for one the second day, as I think we mentioned in the intro. I don't know, that was a long time ago now. After after that uh interview but um yeah we uh we all of us pretty much had no idea what we were doing because none of us have ever fished that late into the year and we found out pretty quickly that the the bite windows when we thought they were tight in the fall they were stupid tight i think the day we caught two and lost two the two we caught were 12 minutes apart one was on a bulldog and one was on a sucker and then the next you know a few hours later the next window we lost two in a span of 60 seconds back-to-back casts <laughs> two different people one on a glide and then one on a crankbait i mean it seemed like as long as you were you know obviously in, in the vicinity of a muskie it, it seemed like that day they were going to eat anything but only for like 10 minutes or whatever it was yeah. pretty ridiculous. It was like a mid-morning bite and then like a mid-afternoon bite, and that now was it for that day. And uh, that was fun. It was a little bit of misting and raining that day. That got a little cold, even though it was 45 degrees or something ridiculous. And, and then the next day we went out, and it was a little colder, but it was sunny, so it felt felt pretty good out there. And that was rough for a while. We didn't really see anything. Uh, we were hitting spots hard. And and then we went to a, a spot that we fished earlier in the day where we caught some pike. We were running some smaller suckers. And that's when the down sucker rod went off. And uh, Max was up to bat right at sunset. It might have even been like 10 minutes after sunset. We really stuck it out. It was getting dark and getting really cold quick. I think at that point it was already below freezing. And uh we had an unfortunate happening 
Uh, not only did the rod break on hook set, the sucker rig snapped. The crimp crimp failed. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I have to add there. I don't know if you got anything else to add there, Max. That's a very, very unfortunate way to end the year, <laughs> even though we didn't even think we were going to get out again. And then that, you know, had to had to do it for us. It's tough. Yeah, tough way to end the season, but also kind of, you know, a uh, good learning lesson with equipment. Uh, equipment that late in the year equipment during cold conditions got a few uh dms from some people giving us a hard time for the rods we were using uh shout out our boy Jarrett. he brought uh one of his old uh dads or grandpa i think who you know they have a very uh um i'd say like a very uh history family up there in the north woods of wisconsin that have been musky fishing for a long time and you know, most of our shit was put away and, um, we were rocking one of, one of Jarrett's either dad's or grandpa's old bamboo rods for the down rod on the sucker. And, uh, the only thing that made it hurt a little bit worse is we were running live scope that day. And, you know, we were just kind of watching fish paddle up to the suckers and Jared Six goes, foot oh, marks. that one looks like it's about a four footer and then boom, just eats the sucker. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it wasn't small. It was not small. I was over the top of the fish. I could feel him. I knew it was a very large fish. My heart was going nuts. I was like, man, if I could end the year on a, you know, big ass fish, that would be awesome. And went to set the hook. And uh, next thing I know, the other half of the rods laying on the boat, <laughs> laying on the floor of the boat. And, uh, you know, so good learning lesson. Um, you know, just uh, definitely um, don't use bamboo. Yeah, maybe not, not use bamboo. Below freezing. <laughs> he caught a he caught a nice fish on that same rod, and uh, I, I just think you know maybe a little bit of wear and tear, and then could have been the size of the fish. Uh, you know, I've been hitting the lab lately, so maybe a little extra muscle on <laughs> yeah. the hook Right, right. A lot yeah. of factors going on, uh, but it was very unfortunate. And then I tried to pick up the line with my hands to then only find that the crimp failed. So wouldn't have mattered. Um, not sure what would have been worse. I mean, obviously, you know, maybe it's good that the rod ended up on, it's going to end up on the wall with a good story. Um, but uh, yeah, RIP the bamboo bruiser. And uh, you know, if we ever get the chance to fish in, in late December again, now we know that giants do eat, um, you know, end That's of December. Good. So yeah. yeah, good time out there and looking forward to getting back out on the water at cave run in April. And um, you know, we got some good ice fishing weekends ahead of us that I'm sure we'll, update you guys on but uh with that said we've been running a pretty long one here tonight i think we more than well made up for our uh missed week brief hiatus uh, brief hiatus so yes thanks for sticking than... with us if you're you're still listening here yeah as always thanks for sticking with us at the end uh right before we head out quick give out the socials we got muskies on tap on instagram Give us a follow. We just hit over that uh, 1,000 follower mark. So I think we gave a another shout out the other week on that. Thanks again. Um, and then my socials for the guide service is Sucks Fishing on Instagram, Sucks Fishing Guide Service on Facebook. Uh, give me a message. Give me a holler. I got a website, www.sugsfishing.com. I'm booking for the 2024 season. Um, and yeah, let's, let's go fishing this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully to see some of you guys at the shows, it's going to be Milwaukee, Minneapolis and Wausau for sure. For me, 
Um, until further notice, I will update you guys again once I know more. So uh, with that being said, it's been a long one, fellas. It's getting a little late. Brian, take us away. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the new year here with Muskies on Tap. Hope everybody has a tremendous start to the year. And for the next 363 days or so, roughly. Thank you. Shout out. Shout out to Greg shout for out. the pod tonight. Incredible stuff. Hilarious stories. Can't wait to get him on again. And apparently, once you reach a certain age, the cousins are back in the game. So remember that, guys. <laughs> Good luck in your new year. Peace. <laughs> oh, man.